Well, hello there. My name is Matt Lebon. I'd like to welcome you to the Foodscaper podcast, where we have conversations with edible landscape professionals. The giddiness, the excitement, the buzz of this community growing, I think is the most exciting thing. People are just so hungry for this knowledge. They're so hungry to network and make friends. And These are folks making their living, designing, installing, maintaining food producing ecological landscapes for clients for a living. We are going to explore the many facets of their work. We're going to hear their stories. We're going to dive into the nitty gritty of what makes their businesses work, learn about their challenges, learn about their successes, and hopefully we'll get a lot of feedback from you all, the Foodscape listeners, so that we can grow and shape what this podcast can become so that it can be a resource for all of us Foodscape professionals. I'm joined today by Lindsay Wolf, who works with us at Custom Foodscaping and the Foodscaper. Good day to you, Lindsay. Hi there. Excited to be chatting with you. So we wanted to take a little bit of time to just chat to kind of lay out like what the Foodscaper podcast is and why we wanted to do it and just explore what this is all going to be about a little bit. So I'm kind of handing the mic over and going to do some more answering of questions and we can just kind of have a dialogue about what this podcast is all about. Awesome. What do you see the Foodscaper project being about more largely before we talk about the podcast? So I think the Foodscaper is going to be different things to everybody, but to me, it's really just a place to come together with like-minded people and professionals. I kind of feel like the professional is like the operative word here because to me that signifies that you do it for a living, Um, a place where we can share ideas, a place where we can share best practices, and just get to know friends who are passionate about the same things, to educate people about the foodscape profession and the work who may not be in the industry I think that's a big part of it is kind of putting it out there and saying, hey, like we're making our living doing this foodscaping work. And if you are interested in growing your own food, you have these skills, you have carpentry skills, you have landscaping skills, and you're passionate about creating a more verdant ecology, then foodscaping might be a avenue for you to pursue because there's clearly a growing demand. People are interested foodscaping companies around the country are growing. So does anything feel like it jumps out to you or? Well, I think the thing we're a message we're trying to share with the foodscaper is, um, and sort of the origin story of the foodscaper is that there's always been tons of resources in the, for farmers, professional support and networking. And there's been that for permaculturalists. And we felt like there was a need for vocational network, professional support, for edible landscapers. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about um, sort of the need that inspired this whole project to start. I guess my path comes from like the permaculture movement. And, you know, many years ago did a permaculture design course, read all these permaculture books and just got super pumped about, you know, growing food, producing landscapes and planting edibles and planting things for the bees and the butterflies and just things that will make the world a better place. And I always wondered, like, how can I make a living doing this? And I didn't really know the answer to that question until other people really started doing that. 
And I saw that, whoa, like there is kind of this idea of an edible landscaper or an ecological landscaper. And people who are actually like taking the things I was reading in Gaia's Garden and other formative books for me and getting paid to do that, spending their days doing that work. That was kind of my path to this. And I think that we're talking about it this way is because traditionally all of this work has kind of been done like as a hobby. And it's just now coming onto our consciousness that you can turn this hobby into a living. There are enough people out there who will pay you to do this work for them. So I think that's what this is all about for us. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great distinction. And I think people, I kind of want to explore just the term foodscaper a little bit more. And if someone is new to that term, how it's different than like a gardener coming to your house or a landscape crew, what more does it offer or what doesn't it offer that those professions do? As a full service foodscaping company, we do the design and install. And that is the piece that is often just kind of missing for people who have generally just been backyard gardeners. And maybe it's very easy for them to translate that skill set into somebody else's existing garden, but how to walk up on a existing space and completely reimagine it and then understand the tools and the materials and of course like the the knowledge that it will take to transform that landscape into something totally different that's a very different skill set and that has traditionally lived within the work of landscape architects and landscape designers and horticultural designers i think that what this is about is exploring that skill set and adding it on to people who who do have gardening knowledge or maybe it means that gardeners can team up with people who have design and installation skills and form foodscaping companies. I also think there's a big opportunity there for like existing landscape industry people who are already working with tools and trucks and trailers and understand what it is to think critically about water and know their weeds and know what it takes to make that actual transformation and manage a landscape over time and as it evolves. Yeah, that's, I think, one of the most exciting things about foodscaping, the so many entry points. You know, it can be um, something an existing landscaping company takes on as kind of a niche market. It can be for horticulturalists, for biology students. I mean, there's so many people and directions that um, are open to foodscaping. It's awesome. So... And I think it would be cool to hear from you a little bit about kind of building your your foodscaping company dream team and how you the skip the very many skills that it takes to build like a team like this um, from water management to plant knowledge to carpentry like there's a lot going on. There there certainly is, and of course it comes with time, and it comes with identifying talent. The thing that has been so wonderful and life-giving for me is thinking critically about what my gift is and thinking equally as critically about what my gifts are not. When I look out at those landscapes and I think like, how do we make that happen? I definitely don't have all the skills. I've been really lucky to meet and come into relationship with incredibly talented people who've been able to add value as opposed to 
just hiring people who I'm going to be teaching? Yeah. So if someone's listening right now and they're like, I'm so excited about this. I want to be a foodscaper, but I like, you know, I'm a hobbyist gardener. I have very little plant knowledge. What's been your path toward really understanding these special edible landscaping plants that we um, are so kind of in our palette at Custom Foodscaping and the Foodscaper? How did you come up into that knowledge? My path was by working on nonprofit educational farms and eking out spots to try different plants, um, going on, you know, wild plant walks and edible food walks and taking every class I could find on, you know, around the country, like different courses and classes that make these things accessible, taking road trips to go visit nurseries. You know, when I think about like two really important mentors of mine, they are not in St. Louis, you know, people who really inspired me at Brambleberry Farm in Paoli, Indiana, like they have this incredible homestead and fruit and edible plant nursery and just going to visit them and seeing it, forging that personal connection. I went to Fayetteville, Arkansas to visit and learn grafting and network with another mentor of mine whose name is Guy Ames. And I think once you start down the path, you start to discover there are people out there who are willing to share. And I mean, certainly books, like books are incredible. I'd love to talk a little more about um, just the, you've talked about like the agriculture and the food, the foodscaping skills part, but the business side of this is intriguing as well because it's a totally new industry. And I wonder if there's been um, resistance or questions or raised eyebrows from people as you've worked to build custom foodscaping and people are like, what is this? You know, how can you, how do you, um, as a business owner, um, have you, have you encountered that or has it just been like all people who are psyched for foodscaping? I mean, I sound so spoiled saying it, but it's like <laughs> been people psyched for foodscaping. I mean, I feel like as cheesy as this sounds, like this is an idea whose time has come. You know, mm. we are just in a place in our cultural evolution right now or de-evolution, however you want to see it that we are having to um, get back to basics, learn to grow food, learn to connect with the great outdoors. We've That's like some of the most basic human <laughs> foundational tidbits, yet we lost it and people are so lost on that path that they're literally willing to pay people to come try to guide them back. And there are a lot of cheerleaders who will cheer you on if you want to walk that path as a foodscaper. And it's been incredibly encouraging. I hate mm. to say that I haven't really come across a lot of discouragement. I think I remember this one conversation I had with a farmer friend who was like, okay, I'm sorry, but like nobody's going to pay you to grow their vegetables. Like, mm. And I was like, yeah, I think you're wrong. Um, <laughs> but we're going to find out. And, um, yeah. and that's, you know, of course that's the only way to really find out is to just try it. Right. Totally. Yeah. I think there's a real, um, kind of movement going on where people are hungry for, you know, to work with their hands again and to learn these lost skills, the carpentry skills and the, the plant knowledge. And we live in such a screen focused world that I can see a real craving for that 
connection, you know, to, to build, building things and growing things. It's, it's easy to romanticize it because it's also really hard physical work, but there is the, the restoration of that connection happening of foodscaping. It's exciting. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. And the restoration of that connection is, of course, it's kind of twofold, right? It's like happening for both the foodscaper and the client. And yeah. it's definitely, you know, not all rainbows and butterflies on both ends. I mean, this is like, like you said, you know, it's real work. It can be grunt work. It can be stressful. It can be overwhelming. It's no different than a lot of other businesses uh, in that respect. And I'm yeah. sure that clients, you know, there are plenty of, of failures and plenty of weeds and plenty of critters and catastrophic rain events, all kinds of things that make it less idyllic, but it's, um, it's real. Mm -hmm. And I think that is maybe what you were kind of talking about is like, it's more, maybe we're, we're just craving things <laughs> as a culture that feel real and not behind a screen. Absolutely. And I think along with the, the physical connection with this work, like, and something we're trying to foster at the Foodscaper is the real relationship, like the mentorship aspect of growing this movement. And we're really trying to make it collective and collaborative and um, something we can build, build together with all the different Foodscapers around the country. And in some way, I feel like this podcast is kind of offering that mentorship with each episode. It's, it's giving insight into these professionals journeys that are, you know, there really aren't that many people who have five, 10 plus years doing this work in the country. I mean, we've, we've found them all, I think in building the foodscaper. And so I, I'm excited about just the different voices we're highlighting on this podcast and the free community we have at the foodscaper, which everyone can join to do some professional networking and, um, I thought of it because I want to circle back to a little bit about your mentors and, and I wonder if, you know, at the beginning of this journey, like if you had had some, some advice from someone who's way down the line, like what, what advice would have been really helpful as you started building your business? It would have been really nice to kind of like have a job, um, like a part-time job starting out. You know, this is very much like advice to a founder, I would say. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of like level of security, even like a night job, like waiting tables, I think, mm -hmm. um, or, or anything else at night for that matter, could be really nice to giving you the freedom to learn, go slowly, um, find a mentor, a business mentor, not a plant mentor necessarily, but somebody who can help um help you with kind of some of that business management. I think that that's one of the really big things that makes me passionate about the Foodscaper is that I'm hoping that people can find mentors and find other local companies. And because we didn't have that here in St. Louis, like there's no other foodscaping company. There's nobody to go talk to. Um, and then eventually I connected with Jeremy at Nashville Foodscapes. And that was like, just a game changer. I mean, that guy is a, is a freaking rock star and mm -hmm. such a beautiful human being and such a knowledgeable plant person. And he had made all the mistakes that I was making. And he was like, <laughs> here's what I did in that situation, you know, and, and he was so kind to, you know, have some conversations with me over the years and, 
that hopefully we can be that resource for people. Surrounding Absolutely. yourself with other people as well has been so great. Like just working with the people on the custom foodscaping team who are passionate, critical thinkers and bring their own life experience. You know, it's like so nice to not feel like you're making all the decisions by yourself all the time. I feel like I have to give a plug for um, sort of our coaching program we're developing at the Foodscaper and we will have in the coming year more opportunities for people to hire a professional coach. Um, these are people who are business owners who've, who've been owned their business for five to 10 years and people in the industry who we look to as mentors and we're, we'll soon be um, doing professional coaching. So you can hire a coach at the foodscaper.com and that can be for, um, for business coaching. These aren't so much for plant knowledge or irrigation knowledge. You can get that probably from them if you wanted to as well. But this is really focused on the business aspect of this. Just like the foodscapes themselves. I mean, you do, you come and like do an installation and put fruit trees in the ground. And there's like, you don't really see the beauty and bounty of it for like five years. And that's kind of how this industry is. It's like, it's just in this sort of like seedling stage. And um, so we're here for the long haul to help people just grow businesses and grow go foodscapes because the world needs more of that for sure. You know, that would be my general advice is just like see what other folks are up to and learn about um, their operation. Obviously, so much of that can be done through websites and social media, and that's been a huge source of inspiration for me. Of course, if you want to go further with it and ask the detailed questions, you know, we need avenues for that and so the summit is one thing that we've created so this is going to be a two-day event in january engaging foodscape professionals to kind of share their story share their expertise join live panels answer questions create breakout groups for people to talk and connect to connect people to resources through through handouts and specific chat rooms about various topics so this is like a virtual conference. And last year, we just kind of threw it out there to see like if people were interested and it was like a huge success. If I can turn the mic to you, Lindsay, like what are you, what are you interested and excited about with the Foodscaper? Well, you know, I think about like the last day of the summit, we had like this last minute happy hour we threw last year and it was so exciting because people stayed on the Zoom call for like two hours. And just like the giddiness, the excitement, the buzz of this community growing, I think is the most exciting thing. People are just so hungry for this knowledge. They're so hungry to network and make friends and share notes. So I think that like just the the social energy of this project feels so exciting to me. And, and everyone that I've interacted with, whether it's business owners or people who are just curious to to build a business doing this. Like they're just salt of the earth people. They're really, there's just a special quality to people who want to do this work for a living that really excites me. And um, it's one of those vocational paths that like really can align with your values. If you're concerned about climate change or the environment, or just want to work for yourself or build a, a great team, it sort of checks all those boxes. And so I think the people, the foodscapers themselves are, are really exciting to me, the relationships we're building through this project and all the promise for um, for all the new companies that are growing. I mean, we have an international foodscaper directory on the website 
and it just keeps growing and growing. Like every week I'm adding new companies that we discover. I just think that's awesome. So it's, it's very inspiring, especially at this, this early stage. And, um, I'm, I'm excited. Um, okay. One last question I had, I want to know, like you've been doing these podcast episodes and if there's any like big insight you've taken away or exciting story or anything that comes to mind in some of the interviews you've, you've been doing as someone who's been in this industry quite a while, like what new, new thing have you drawn from all these interviews? I think the biggest thing is that nobody does it the same way mm. and that everybody's got to figure it out on their own. Like what works for them? What model of business? How do you play to your strengths? One of the things that inspires me the most and that we seem to have trouble really figuring out at Custom Foodscaping is that care piece, care of the landscape afterwards. Whether, you know, we are very much focused on design and install and less on like, how do we ensure the long-term maintenance of this landscape? How do we provide the knowledgeable staff members to help gardens be successful, help ecological landscapes be successful. I'm really inspired to hear about some of the companies who have figured that out more and who really have aligned themselves to be educational entities because I think it's really great to have the hands-on skills, but ultimately I see our role as foodscapers really as educators and we're we're edu you know, we're showing the public like what it is to grow food where you live. And when that may be intentional or unintentional, but I love hearing the various stories where people are talking about how they make that happen. Yeah. And the companies you've interviewed, I know that we've got five or six of them now. Have you, is it, is it a strong maintenance program or is it coaching or how are people doing this? Sometimes it's maintenance, sometimes it's coaching. And a lot of times it's neither of those. It's like a different mm. word that they've even used and a different program. And it's so personalized to their climate, to their like work schedule, to their clientele. And so I think that's the thing that's so fun about where we are in the foodscaping movement is like we're just in the discovery phase of how are other companies doing this? That's what I love about these conversations is that they're all different. We're kind of circling around the same theme, right, of this whole food producing landscape and for some people, that means a really tidy vegetable garden. And for other people, that means, you know, rain gardens surrounded by fruit trees. So it, it just looks different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk a bit about like the scale of all these foodscaping companies from Shades of Green, you know, they've been around forever, 15, 20 years to like some of these newer companies and how, um, yeah, how you see them, like maybe a, if there's a life cycle of these businesses you can observe. If that, that may be a hard question. I think we see a trend towards raised bed vegetable gardens being like an entry point of access to doing this work. It kind of branches out from there into like what I call edible landscaping, which is perennial trees, berries, perennial vegetables, perennial herbs, and and then like native plantings mixed into that. And then there's this other component, which is like rainwater management, which I feel like a lot of people are passionate about, but may not have the 
hard skills to actually install rainwater catchment systems or do rain gardens properly. It kind of spans the gamut of all those different things. I think the entry point is really what are you most comfortable with and then specialize in that, do what you know how to do, slowly learn the other things you want or and or hire people who have those skills and learn from them. Totally. I can see that also being a good um, philosophy for just maintaining your your passion over time. I mean, do you feel that way? You've been doing this for, you've been doing this full stop for five years. And I know edible landscapes are like what you're, what keeps you up late at night reading about. <laughs> you're so passionate about them. Um, how have you sustained that passion over time? Keep learning. Or does it never get old? <laughs> I mean, I think it's all about learning. Yeah. That's just the amazing thing about you know, at first you get into like, I was really into f fruit trees and, you know, I read Lee Reich's book on uncommon fruits. And that was a huge aha moment for me. Like, oh my gosh, there's all these incredible fruits out there and fruits just feel so luxurious and opulent. Fruit trees are just growing on a hike or in the city and they're just raining down this really great food. And that was really foundational for me. I remember like just not being that into flowers and then you learn about, oh my gosh, like you learn more about native pollinators and the importance of habitat and you read Doug Tallamy's book. And I think then you just go down that rabbit hole, right? And I think mm -hmm. I've been blessed to just continue to turn over new pages of things that I'm interested in, slowly, you know, incorporating those projects into our work so that we can actually take actionable steps to make that positive impact. I think, like, what's the word? Fomenting a curiosity about the world that we live in is something that is a little bit more mysterious and maybe happens at a younger age, but we need people mm -hmm. to spark that curiosity for sure. Absolutely. That's that's sort of essential. The other foodscapers I've talked to, I think about my talked to Ben Barkin one time. He's the owner of Home Harvest in Boston, amazing company. And just a really curious dude. Just like, I think that's kind of the heart of what makes a successful, maybe entrepreneur, but nonetheless, foodscaper for sure. Um, there's just this abyss of information to learn in this field and it can feel overwhelming, but it's really exciting. So I love hearing you talk about that. Okay. I've got a question, last question, maybe. Um, what do you see for this movement? Like what's the dream? What about in 10 years from now, what would be awesome to see in the foodscaping movement? Wow. 10 years. I think the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is like an in-person conference. I totally. just think there is so much that like can permeate from that and some of the best weekends of my life. Like I feel like we're at educational conferences where I got to meet people and spend, you know, the evenings late into the night talking and singing and around a fire and um, forging new friendships and learning from people who inspire me like through talks and, and other. So I think that's a really big dream is to have a coming together where we can share these things in person because as great as it is to be online and virtual, 
in terms of ease and connectedness, it is, of course, it's missing that human touch, that element, that hug goodbye, you know, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes us all human. And yeah. so that is a huge dream for me. Um, I love that dream. <laughs> That's so exciting. Yeah, I love how you describe that. It's not going to be a conference under like fluorescent lights and like some terrible like facility. It's going to be like touring all these beautiful foodscapes, different companies have, you know, been tending to for many years. That's the dream. We're going to make it happen. What's your dream? I think a a similar vision of having an in-person sort of like summer camp experience for foodscapers that is just relationship building. And um, I think there's a lot of promise for this podcast. I think people, you know, hearing these voices and perspectives and just the nitty gritty practical ways people have built businesses. I'm really excited to learn, to learn about that. And of course the summit, I feel like the summit is my baby and I work, I, you know, I've been thinking about it all the time. And um, I think the summit, you know, virtually in the next, this, this January is what's on my mind. And, um, just the great response and, and growth there is, is totally on my horizon. So it's fun. Can't wait for it. Can't wait. Any other final thoughts you want to add, Matt? I would just say, um, if any of this message that we've talked about today, like resonates with you, the listener out there, you know, like we want to connect. That's our whole goal with the foodscapers, like to connect with you, the foodscapers, hear what you're interested in and try to be a facilitator of that inspiration and professional growth. Send us a message, say hello, please, if you're not on our Foodscaper directory, let us know. Sign up for our email list so that we can let you know about you know, new garden mentors or Foodscape mentors as we add different courses and classes that we're gonna run in between the annual summit. And of course, that way you'll find out when we do our, uh, our big coming together and have that bonfire, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't wait to to meet you and hug you in real time in the next few years whenever we can make that happen. But it's going to happen. For sure. For sure. Well, thanks for your time, Matt. It's been awesome to connect with you and and to hear um, hear about your journey and just your, your vision for this exciting new industry. Likewise, Lindsay. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Foodscaper podcast. We have a whole host of resources that you can find over at thefoodscaper.com or Foodscaper HQ on social media. If you are listening to this, then I want to go ahead and make sure that you know that the Foodscaper Summit, our big two-day educational event, is happening January 2023. Wednesday, 18th of January, Thursday, the 19th of January. We would love to know who some of your favorite foodscapers are out there, and we would love to invite them to be on the podcast. 